Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Trinaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Thanks for tuning in as we join Roger now as he discusses jobs, the notable increase of taxes, inflation, and the movements of the Federal Reserve. The panic of 2020 is coming more and more into focus from a health or pandemic perspective, but so far, only a few financial news writers seem concerned about the impacts of all the new U.S. debts that are exponentially increasing almost on a daily basis. In the past week, the Federal Reserve has pretty much nationalized the debt marketplace, and the U.S. government has created a federal deficit rocket ship and placed personal entitlements on steroids. All this as the unemployment across the United States rapidly approaches the Great Depression levels. I think it's a safe bet that everyone old enough to walk is experiencing the panic of 2020, and everyone old enough to read is wondering what's next. It's our intent that this podcast will help you piece together what's next, as the next year or two promises to change our career prospects, along with earnings opportunities, savings capabilities, and investment returns. To be sure, both public and private employers can be expected to downsize payrolls while they fight to survive, and that's after the economy begins to open up again. Assuming we begin a back-to-work plan across the United States this month, April, and further assuming we are all free to work and otherwise move around freely in the fall or winter, we will have even more serious economic and financial issues dead ahead. Well before the January-February coronavirus began to shut down the industrial world, we shared with you substantial negative trends totally independent of the COVID-19 pandemic. The pandemic we're all fighting is making these negative trends much more severe and creating a second wave of the panic of 2020. Here are some specifics as well as their implications. First of all, the Federal Reserve last year emerged as the main buyer of U.S. debt, given that traditional large investors withdrew. As of a week or so ago, again, the Fed, for the first time in history, owns more U.S. government debt than the sum of all foreign countries in the so-called Fed custody accounts. Treasury obligations owned by foreign governments held in custody by the Fed or the custody accounts. But wait, there's more. The Federal Reserve is not only the primary buyer of U.S. debt, but is buying corporate bonds and muni bonds and other securities well in addition to that. They are continuing to buy securities from the banks through the repo market that we focused on in prior podcasts. They are also supporting foreign central banks by lending them dollars through swap lines, if not directly purchasing securities from them. Additionally, the Bank of Japan, European Central Bank, and the Bank of England, and other central banks are creating massive amounts of new currency to fight against the global depression. Why should we care? You would care if your living expenses each month increased by, say, 20%, and your income didn't increase at all. You'd care if, in addition to this pain, your federal and state taxes were increased while your payroll deductions for Social Security and federal unemployment insurance climbed 
from today's 7% plus amount to over 10% of your gross pay. I'm hoping this is an attention getter as all of this is in process, in my opinion, even though I can't possibly know the percents that will be involved in the future. So this is the direction we're now heading, and so are many others in Europe and Asia in particular. Add to the above scenario the fact that pension funds are even more underfunded than they were last year. We had a pension fund crisis brewing when the panic of 2020 stepped in and made everything so much worse. By the way, most pension funds in trouble are in the public sector, suggesting even more tax increases ahead. Estimates now include the expectation that pension funds in total are underfunded by $10 trillion versus less than $5 trillion only last year, which itself was a crisis. Over the next five to 10 years, we expect Social Security to run out of funds and public pension funds to crumble. This actually means retirees may not get anywhere near the full pensions they've anticipated over the past number of decades. Long term, we'll have fewer and fewer workforce age workers trying to support many more retirees, which only compounds the near-term issues. Let's focus on the issues on our near-term horizon. We all pretty much know that the U.S. has experienced inflation problems generated from wage push, and we all experienced the inflation of real estate prices and rent based on 20 years or so ago of really low interest rates. Some of us have experienced currency weaknesses that have made the price of imports higher. Latin America is famous for currency-related inflation, which resulted in new currencies. And this resulted in many people losing most or all of their invested savings in related government bonds that were denominated in the old currency, and these became worthless. Some African countries know these issues really well. Before this year, few expected the United States would join the ranks of those countries creating excessive amounts of new currency, and that is precisely where we are today. We discussed the monetization of U.S. government debt, that is the Federal Reserve merely printing more money to buy the debt, countries simultaneously printing new money to buy their new debt, ultimately crashed economically as their currency became worthless. Additionally, we are at the forefront of letting you know that something was amiss during the banking sector last year as the little publicized repo marketplace controlled by 24 major banks required larger and larger financial support from the Federal Reserve. I'm not planning to review the past 13 podcasts, giving a heads up on the employment debt markets, and unresolved financial issues, most of which are still not only here today, but have become even larger issues for all of us. You may totally accept that the United States Federal Reserve is now in the global driver's seat. You may also notice that most countries are following the Fed's lead by creating more and more currency to support their banks, which would otherwise implode through the rapidly increasing bad debts on top of those from 2008 and 2009's Great Recession, whose bad debts are still in our banking system. Actually, they're on the Federal Reserve balance sheet. So here's where we are today. All the debt markets, U.S. government, muni bonds, city-state, public projects, corporate bonds, junk bonds, mortgage securities, bank loans, personal loans, commercial paper, repo borrowing, and so forth are now supported by the Fed and its own balance sheet, which was 
quote, only $800 billion 20 years ago and only $4 trillion last year. It's heading to $10 trillion by the end of this year or early next year. In addition, like the Bank of Japan, the Fed may become a purchaser of stocks versus the S&P or other index and has already indicated it will purchase the new CARES program for small business loans from the banks. Remember, the Fed is not owned by the U.S. government. It's owned by the large banks, including some foreign banks. The new path of excessive new money creation actually makes the Fed, for the first time in history, the control group for pretty much all debt markets, whereas previously their focus was on very short-term interest rates with no attempt to control all of the U.S. credit markets. The Fed maintains that all this money creation is not inflationary, since little of the new money goes to consumers for spending. For demand-driven inflation, they have a point, with one large exception. Their money creation for decades has created real estate bubbles and additionally has cost retirees 2-4% to of purchasing power each year due to slow but steady price inflation. The Anderson forecast at UCLA as of April 10th anticipates that it will take until late 2022 to get back to last year's employment numbers. We all likely know that today's estimates are based on what we know today. Tomorrow could bring new negatives, such as higher-than-expected price drops in real estate and a longer-than-expected timeline for control of national and global health issues. My own point of view is that we will have unexpected bad news over the next few months beyond our expectations today. I would be happy to be wrong on this expectation. More positively, those who are prepared to compete in our more highly competitive job and small business environment, particularly using available new technologies, and those who can implement savings plans, can look forward to a long-term increasing stock market as some call the TINA effect. T-I-N-A, there is no other alternative. Recall that owning a company's stock is a pro rata share of the company's plant, equipment, revenues, and earnings power, which itself relates to dividend increases. In an inflationary environment, a company's assets and abilities to increase prices as costs go up is pretty good protection. It's much better than bonds that pay a fixed dollar interest to you while you risk the bond price going down during an inflationary period. In total, to stay ahead, think ahead. When I think ahead, I think of inflation coming with very few today having this expectation. In addition to carefully investing in stocks of companies with low debt, the residential real estate market in 2021 may become attractive for new investment. Once inflation becomes part of the 24-hour news cycle, investments in precious metals should become even more attractive than today. And today we have all the global turmoil, including health, but many political events going on each day also. We know we are attempting the impossible as our business insights forecast and podcast covers the world. Today, we must think globally although new trends argue for more of a nationalist versus global future. Brexit and Italy's possible European Union departure, plus new local supply chains are included in this comment. Based on your feedback and UCLA Extension's commitment to help you career-wise and financial-wise, we are planning a new free 
six-week course beginning mid to late May. We'll discuss this upcoming course in the next podcast and hope you take advantage of this free enrollment. Let's use our social distancing time to help us make better career, better credit, and better investment plans. And please do remember to email me at rtornaden, R-T-O-R-N-E-D-E-N, at UCLA Extension, one word, dot edu. I'm sure we'll continue to have much more to share in the next two weeks. Thank you, Roger. And thank you, listeners. Be sure to join us next week to learn more about this new Financial Insight course. Stay healthy and look to your financial future. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.